Send a powerful message to those people who live in the past and tell them no more business as usual and no more repeat performances because we're going to make America great again. Hey everyone, welcome once again to yet another episode of Two Noobs Talking. Of course, this is the big mother load. This is the episode 5-0. Oh, and with me, of course, is my wonderful co-host who has been with me for most, if not all of these, Mr. John Tracy. John, how you doing, man? What's going some on tonight? Them. Some of them. I've uh, been there, some of them. Most of them, yeah, most of them. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, we also have Mr. Steve Murray, uh, but you know, I, I think he might be doing something else. I don't know. Of course, I'm Matt Craig here, um, and we're really happy to have you with us. Like I said, it's episode 50. Can't believe we've hit the big 5-0, John. Let's rattle off some quick numbers real quick. Who do you think wore that number in the city of Philly? Well, we got to go with we got to go with World Series champion Jamie Moyer. We'll be uh, talking a little baseball later. Heck yeah, yeah, and was perfect. at really just painting the corner every oh, single yeah. time. What was so great about him? Oh yeah, and then we got a then we got my favorite linebacker ever that isn't William Thomas, hmm. James Willis. Oh, there you go. Oh, wait a minute. Found them. We found them. We got a special guest. I think I know who this is, Johnny. What do you think? Oh, yeah. The big 5 0. Mm. <laughs> the big anniversary. <laughs> but that 5 is important. You know why? Because when you put it in front of the 0, it's, it gets rid of the empty void. The empty void, yeah. Filled with the electromagnetic waves carrying my boys at the two noobs. You know, you boys are like the ketchup on the burger. You bring the sweet stuff, yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, I got to give you credit. You got Andrew Cuomo to resign, yeah. Damn that straight. Big, that big bad boy up in New York, yeah. It was all because of the news, yeah. He was nervous. You made him pee-pee in his big boy pants. <laughs> you guys did it. I don't care what anybody else says. That makes you my hero. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, sometimes you don't always get it right. Sometimes you get it wrong. That newsome mm. thing, you were on the wrong side of that one. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to name names, but somebody might have lost a lot of money betting <laughs> on that pick you boys made. Yeah. Not me. Not me, no, no, but that's okay. We all make mistakes, yeah. Now, listen, I was listening to you boys last week. I heard what you said. You said he's a nutcase. He's coming in hot, yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I heard what you said. I didn't like the taste, but I swallowed it anyway. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Jack Hammer and John Tracy and Mr. Mashed Potato Matt Craig, yeah. I didn't like what you said, but I swallowed it anyway. You know why? Look, I'm just like everybody else. I put on my pants one waist at a time. Yeah. Yeah, but when I don't get my two noobs every Monday afternoon, that's when I go a little crazy. I take the milkman and I rip him a new one. That's still a thing, right? The milkman. Yeah. The milkman. Right. But if, yeah. But if it, if it, if, if making me crazy, 
because I don't get my two noobs makes me a nutcase. Well, then I guess this week you got two noobs and a nutcase. <laughs> um, We're going to do a great show. Big five zero. The ketchup is on the burger. And <laughs> any kind of meat you got. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Mach, uh, we're going to have to um, upset you a little bit more. Uh, oh, no. we, we're moving to Wednesdays. Oh, oh that milkman's going to have two new ones ripped. Oh, <laughs> two, two ripped ones. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay. I think I popped about three veins. <laughs> I'm going to have to sit back and enjoy the noobs. Love it. Love it. Mr. Macho Man, Randy Savage. John, we spared no expense around here. You know what I'm no, saying? No, we do not. We do we not. We certainly do not. Cost a course. lot of money to bring someone back from the dead. Oh heck yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we spare no expense. We did all kinds of gain of function research. It really stopped to think about it, Johnny. You know what I'm saying? A little Fauci, so, little Fauci fun. Yeah, a little Fauci fun. You know, a little Riddler uh, fun. But I it's think great we have to a have lack of oxygen to the brain right now. There you go. <laughs> Can we all take a moment are... of silence for Mr. Mary to breathe so he can? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well what done. What are we talking about again? Oh, we'll we'll get to it actually here, but let's hit with uh, topic number one <laughs> as Macho Man tries to spin around here for a minute. But gents, we're talking here a little bit about the country of Iraq, you know, and yeah, Afghanistan. Of course, that's been a humongous clusterfuck. I mean, I'm not going to lie; it was terrible with You're the withdrawal. Cursed on live tele. Oh wait, not live. Okay. Not live. Not live. That's right. <laughs> But I did find this really interesting Wall Street Journal article that was here um, and written by Paul Bremer and David Gumpert as Afghanistan reverts, Iraq makes steady progress. So basically, it's a terrific opinion piece. Um, uh, talks about how the fact that the Iraqis wrote the new constitution, of course, but an interesting point that we found or I have found in the article was that the constitution says that no less than 25 percent of the parliament is female and it opened the way for Iraqi women to receive educational and professional equality. So, and there are some other things as well. Um, since 2004, the country of Iraq has had five straight peaceful transitions of power. That's something that really has kind of gone under the radar. If you really stop to think about it, guys, um, then, of course, they had, I think, a notable example of the transfer of power was when they had one prime minister who was pro-Iran, who ran there from 2006 through 2014. He was succeeded, but was, was the succession happened without conflict. So it definitely handled, you know, our transition to power. We're so used to it here in America. It happened over there in Iraq. But like all things, it is a very young democracy, very young representative republic. There are all kinds of areas and issues. John, I'll go to you first. What what was your thought after reading through that entire article, uh, the Wall Street Journal piece? Oh, it, was, it was very simple, actually. Um, uh, the fact that we haven't had news on Iraq in, God, a while. Like, yeah. I didn't know how they were doing. The, yeah. But to see that and to see that the opinion piece was was very interesting, that they were trying to they were trying to draw a comparison to Afghanistan that threw me off a little bit because like we'll talk about it. it it's not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, just very simply, Iraq, Iraq, Iraq is a very, very, very middle class kind of country. Mm -hmm. um, Afghanistan is a very tribal country. Yeah. 
two differences. I'm glad to see that there's so much, whether it's my, I don't, I don't care what government they're, they're, you know, involved in. I, it doesn't matter to me because I, I don't live there and B, I'm not trying to run the world. So sure. I don't, I don't care what they're doing yeah. by government wise, but uh, to see that they're prospering and seeing it's going well mm-hmm. is very awesome because we pulled out and they're self-sustaining and they are in the hotbed of a community that is very uh, well yeah i mean it doesn't take long yeah. you've got Ira- iran to your east and of course they've had conflict even before we started to show up no, you know yeah. in the okay. 80s they had a huge huge war that basically was a tie uh, a lot of people died and then of course to the west in iraq you have syria who had their own problems with their own civil war so here is this Right in the middle of uh, of the Middle East, you've got this country that is trying Isn't... this out. Yeah. So far, so good. I mean, you know, is it rosy? No. no. It's not going to be. But it is enc- it is encouraging, I think, uh, in that regard. And such a great point, too, that it is a working class type of country mm-hmm. as opposed to Afghanistan, where it was all tribal. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't fully get it. Steve, your thoughts on it real quick. Um. I agree with John. There's uh, there's a lot of differences between Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, Iraq, the military, was in much better shape mm-hmm. uh, than Afghanistan's is now. Yep. Uh, or or now after they've already been overrun, but uh, you know before before they were overrun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Iraq was in a much better position um, socially. Uh, you know, Afghanistan has been a mess since the seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been invaded. The, the Soviet Union invaded. Um, they've had tribal. Uh, I mean, the, Iraq has its own, you know, divisions. I mean, there's Sunnis and Kurds and Shiites, mm-hmm. I think were the big three. Yep. And it's, it, it's impressive that their transfers of power have been peaceful, even though some sides may not be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I think as we the U.S. shows from them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Afghanistan is. It's when we originally went in there, you have to remember um, we didn't go in specifically to take the Taliban out of power. Uh, we went in there because they were harboring Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda, yeah. And they were using Afghanistan to train and as a base of operations for their terror activity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Taliban was kind of harboring them. So they were sort of, I mean, they were they were an atrocious regime. Yeah. Uh, very brutal. Yeah. They but still they had. They still are, and but mm-hmm. they had been that way for five years before we went in there. So oh was, yeah, easy yeah. You know, yeah. kicking them out of Kabul was, you know, sort of secondary. However, to getting rid of Al Qaeda in their country, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the main objective to overrun the Taliban. What what the United States did was they were trying to overrun Al Qaeda. They just pushed right. the Taliban out to the outer bands. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's and that's easily why they they ran roughshod on the country as soon as we were moved. Sure, because they were already ready. Yeah, right. I mean, that's another big difference from Iraq. It, when when we mm-hmm. toppled Saddam in Iraq, that was kind of it for his ruling party. Well, there oh, were yeah. there were people that were happy 
So you had you had a you had, you had a, a uniting force, yeah, Iraq, yeah. To be honest, because there were people that were happy that we were there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, if we took a poll, probably not everybody, not even <laughs> half. But there, what we had some ground support, and that was the thing with Afghanistan that they they keep trying to beat us with the media is that we abandoned those ground support, so we might not have any ground support there. Mm. That's true. Yeah. But, yeah. but the point I'm trying to make was was when we toppled Saddam, that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it was easier. Yeah. The, the Taliban, we never we never destroyed or got rid of the Taliban. Okay. We may have kicked them out of the capital, Kabul mm-hmm. of Afghanistan, mm-hmm. but they still for the last 20 years have controlled large portions of the country. No doubt. So yeah, it's not like it's not like the country. Yeah. It's not like they came back out of nowhere, right? No, no, just... you're right. No, it's it's at least I think it was seventy five percent of the country they were controlling. It wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't they surprise were me they were because that because they were not controlling the major airport, the secondary airport, or Kabul. That's it. Yeah. But they had been moving. I not saying they controlled it at that time, but at the time of our pullout, they had seventy five percent of the country. Yeah. They were they... moving and making moves throughout this. 20 years yeah they were making moves for this yeah oh yeah i i think this whole thing really with them was they're just they were biding their time essentially mm-hmm. now the question that they you know the watching world is going to look to see with them is are you going to harbor another al-qaeda or isis k or isis faction that's a good for training because if you do we're going to come after you again so the eyes of the world are on them. Now, the question is, do we trust them? That's the question. That is still t- TBD, really, in that Absolutely. in that regard. I have a question for Steve, quickly. We went back into Iraq a couple times, correct, mm-hmm. as we were doing that. Do you so, feel that's something that, that we're going to have to do with Afghanistan also? There, I think what you're mentioning is our original, we originally pulled out of Iraq, I believe it was 2011. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that is then when ISIS started sort of their rise to power and they captured large portions of Iraq during the height of their, um, you know, work. Um, so we went back, I think, again, the date was probably 2014 mm-hmm. because we had to help Iraq get rid of ISIS. Mm-hmm. Um, it would not shock me if, you know, the, the Taliban's promising things are different 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yet to be seen. But, yeah. you know, if 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 Al Qaeda or something starts hanging out in Afghanistan again, we may not have a choice but to go back. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was a very interesting kind of a, I guess you could say progress report on how Iraq has been doing. Uh, I love the fact that they've instituted 25% into their parliament yeah. uh, for that representation that's, to be no, female, which is amazing is, in an Arab country. Yeah. That's huge. It's that huge. Is, that's something to, to, to build in, you know, world, the world becoming a better place. That is absolutely something that, you know, to look at as something really important. No doubt. It is not something you will likely see at all under a Taliban rule in Afghanistan. No, no. absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely not. 
Well, let's, uh, gents, let's move on here to uh, topic number two. And John, you found a very interesting New York Post opinion piece, I guess a four-point opinion piece, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. This Involving is, the president this, and whatnot. So let's talk about that. This kind of this got underneath me, and we had, to, we had to talk about this. Biden plays death politics. Ugh. Not necessarily a good. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this popped up on the screen. Blah 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 blah. It's an editorial piece from from the New York Post. Hmm. Um, I read through it. I agree with about fifty percent of it. But what what I don't even want to really get into the piece. It'll be in the show notes. You guys can look at it. I, most people that follow us will probably think similar to what we're thinking when you read it. Mm-hmm. What I want to pose is. What what they're trying to say with Biden is that he's the worst thing that ever happened. And if you were reading an editorial piece back in 16, they were saying Trump was the worst thing that ever happened. happened. So is this just what the left and right are going to do in the media Mm. all the time? Is this now our new news? Are we just going to sit here and just back and forth and see articles? Oh, you know, Diner kicks out couple for wearing a mask. Oh, Diner doesn't let a couple go in because they're not wearing a mask. Mm. Are we just, are we literally living in this time of identity politics from the left and right? And that's all that exists. Because that's what this piece brings. That's the thought process the piece brings up. That's such a, such a great question, John. Um, Steve, if you want to go ahead. Um, you just summarized why I don't read the news. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, for me, it's kind of interesting because I, I I think all of us, you could say, has been on the center of some side. Some yeah. on the left, some on the right. We've kind of dabbled, but we've mostly been <clears throat> right down the middle with maybe the occasional leans right or left, depending. This is very interesting because the you had Obama who was more toward the left. Then you had Trump, who was an absolute wild card. No one really knew what he stood for, but he leaned conservative and really, I think, taught the Republican Party you can be aggressive yes. in your politics towards your enemies. He now, he, he also, took it too far. Yeah, But he also times. leaned liberal in certain aspects, which was bizarre to everybody. Which was very <laughs> bizarre. Was which like, he was a true wild card. My point Exactly. My point, like well He was said. all over the place. Yeah, he was. And now you have Biden, who has flip-flopped so many times throughout his 45-year career in politics. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not going to pull any no, punches. He's... This guy has not been consistent in any one of his um, you know, political machinations or opinions or whatever the case may be. He's all over the place. You don't know what you're getting, but you know he's leaning hardcore left. Yeah. So the question is, what's going to happen in 2024? Are we going to swing all the way back over to the right... Because I think you're starting to see that a little bit in the Republican side because they're ramping up the Sanders, they're ramping up probably Abbott and other candidates. They're definitely ramping up Elder to uh, make a run again, even though not the you got a you got a mm-hmm. his uh, Trump's former uh, press secretary is running for mayor in Arkansas. You have Herschel Walker running for governor of Alabama. Like there's there's a ton of movement going on there's a i can't remember his name i'm sorry i live here i i totally know he's running i can't remember his name but Mm. there's a republican running for governor against abbott that Mm. 
is his literal slogan is I'm a real Republican. Wow. Yeah, you're I don't even know what that means anymore. anymore. You're not going to get any more Republican than that. Yeah, I guess. But at the same time, I don't know what that what that even I don't know. I don't, I don't think anybody knows. I don't think yeah. the left or right knows what any of it. I think we're we're arguing about stuff that we don't know anything about. I'm not saying us, but what I'm saying is mm-hmm. in the media, we're arguing about stuff we don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. I know everything. Like, <laughs> you sounded like venom, by the way. <laughs> but that's I just wanted to bring it up before we get into the lighthearted stuff. Is I just want people to think, and if you guys got anything else to add, is is are we just playing identity politics at this point? I think is so. I think is that just what we're doing in the news? I think so, John. I think politics to to most Americans means everything. It it's everything. Um, it surrounds. It encompasses your life um, if you let it. Yeah. Um, really, from everything from your decisions, oh. your taxes, but also on top of that, it's like, what is your identity? Do you agree with these amount of people? And if so, you're going to go on this Facebook page to post your opinion. You know, and and, and you're going to be segregated in one camp, and then because it happens on both the left and the right. I don't. No, you're absolutely right. And so. I, I, but what I do is I worry about who my county commissioner is because I want to make sure that the parks get funded for the kids. Yep. I worry about who the mayor is. I worry about who the governor is. I worry about the taxes, of course, because I would like more money in my paycheck than anybody else. Sure. I don't so much worry about who the president is because they got like that much power. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. really, that's not my like thing, but I local politics, I do really care about because it affects my life. Mm-hmm. But that's not identity politics. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I, that's what's freaking me out. I'm my life is a lot about politics. Like I actually care who's controlling my life in my community. Mm-hmm. I really care about that. But in your community, though, not in my nationally. community. Yeah. But what I'm afraid of is people are taking it to that national level mm-hmm. and that's starting to freak me out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like they'll, they'll like, you'll probably, if you see it, <laughs> I think I remember seeing like there was a yard sign of someone running for a school board saying people over politics. And I thought, okay, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> cause it's like, we're all political animals to one extent or another. We all have yeah, different biases very- or whatever very true but it's like i mean that's a nice slogan to have but it's like really what are you putting that on a yard sign for it doesn't make any sense to me being screwed for this long you're gonna you're gonna say things like that to be honest because people that want to help are going to be afraid to help because of people like us but they're going to be willing to help because of people like we're we're seeing you know writing these editorial pieces that that president is the worst president is he well, what that, you know, that, that to be determined. You guys still got to be Clint now. Come on. Like, <laughs> joking. But, you know, no, what of I mean? course, like, yeah. Those editorial pieces, because just four years ago, Trump was the worst president ever. Yeah. So yeah, are sure. we, are we just, are we the ESPN generation in politics now? Is my, is my ending question to this whole thing? Yes. Well, there you go. Yeah. Is it all about the highlights? Let's move on to it's, your awesome piece. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> let's awesome. transition away from Talk all the conflict stuff. And we're talking some... Let's fire. get to the ketchup. Yeah. 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 Let's get there. Uh, so we're talking Flyers Hall of Fame. And who better to talk Philadelphia Flyers than the man 
up there in the upper left-hand corner of my screen, Mr. Steve Murray, who has been a huge Flyers fan ever since I've known him for the better part of 20-some-odd years. I'm <clears> a hockey <throat> fan, but he'll, he'll, say, he'll say different. Steve, I let you have the floor, my good man. What do you have for us? Thank you. Uh, so a few weeks ago, um, the Flyers announced that they were uh, revamping. They, they have not had an entrant uh, go into the Flyer Hall of Fame for, I believe, at least the last five years. That's shocking. Wow. It is. That is absolutely shocking. How is that even possible, really? Ah, laziness. I don't know. I get yeah, exactly. Ceremony in the middle of, like, right before the All-Star break when you don't have something else. When Gritty's busy, like, you can't put someone in the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, so they haven't had they haven't had anybody go in for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so they revamped the uh, system for how people get nominated and voted in. Mm-hmm. I don't really care what the system is, but they released a list of six finalists mm-hmm. uh, for this year to go into the Hall of Fame. And as I understand it, there's no there's no limit. Like the NHL Hall of Fame, I think you only get four players hmm. per year. Okay, wow, uh, that can actually go in. Mm-hmm. That's um, insane. I didn't even know that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's like four players, and then you could have like a executive GM or, a, or you know executives. Um, okay, so GM, like GM but it's limited. Maybe, yeah. yeah, but it's limited to four. The Our Flyers, program. as I understand it, have not limited it. Hmm. Uh, so all six of the finalists could make it in this year. That's yet to be seen. Um, I wanted to bring this up because I know you guys have followed the Flyers a lot for you know, as long as I've known you. No doubt. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to vet the candidates. Hmm. Um, I want to do players only because when you get into categories like Lou Nolan's one of the finalists. He's the in ring in arena announcer. Yeah. I mean that duh. He's getting it. duh. Uh, Paul Paul Holmgren is a player, but he's also been in the organization for 40 years in about a billion other roles. General president. He's a general manager. He's the president. He was the, he was the head coach. He was an assistant coach. Yeah. He was the water boy. He probably served you food at one time in the school. (laughs) He probably did. The fires for that long. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's, you know, that's easy enough. Easily. They're, they're going to get in at some point. Uh, yep. But what I wanted to do was there are four players on the on the finalist ballot. Mm. Talk about whether or not they are deserving. Mm-hmm. And then I have separately a list of six players who have big name recognition in Flyer history mm. who are currently retired. Okay. Uh, so that their stories are written. They're, it's done. Done. And see what you guys think of their potential candidacy down the road, because some of the names are very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them, I think, should be no-brainers. Some of them, uh, when we actually dug into the statistics, were very surprising during pre-production. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Some of them can be a real the orange. There you What's go. That? Switching his lights to orange there you. in the background. Oh, there you go. For your audio listeners, he just switched from green to orange. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, you yeah, fired me up to the I need to, to grab my remote and switch to orange. <laughs> oh, yeah. What other colors you got there? All of them. 
Oh, nice. I got a, I got a very small remote. But oh, there, got, wow, look at that. You got the <laughs> yeah, yeah, kaleidoscope there, Johnny. I can make awesome. them do stuff, too, but I don't know how to. <laughs> my daughter's not home right now, so I can't operate my own stuff for this podcast. Can we get red and green for the Christmas episode? Oh, yeah, we're going to have to definitely do that. Maybe. I'll work on it. I'll, I'll, I'll buy other ones if I can. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I'll make it work, man. There you go. All right. So, well, let's hit so that the list. Four, the four oh, yeah. players that are on the ballot. Okay. This season, we have Bob the Hound Kelly, Rick Tockett, okay. Mark Recchi, and Simone Gagne. Good um, list. Well, let's let's go old men first. So, Bob Kelly, what are your guys' thoughts on on uh, on the Hound? I mean, first thing that comes to my mind was not only was he a great fighter, but also a great practical joker. You made a great. Uh, uh, I think a, a, one of our pre-production meetings, Steve, where you were like playing an alumni game, right? And uh, yes. against him, and you had the puck, and you were going, I guess, one on four, which is not a good place to be, but you're at least carrying well, the puck. It was up. a line change. I was just occupying the puck. There you go. And so you try to make the move past Kelly, and you think you got by him, and yoink, he pulls you right down to the ice. And what was his line to you? So he, t- I guess. I'm going one on four. I'm about to come out a tug on the arm. Mm. It knocks me down. It spins me around. And Bob Kelly says to me as he skates by, "Good try, young fella." Because <laughs> he's so, like, he's like two sixty five at that time. But he, he oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a big boy. Uh, so I I harbor some personal ill will for <laughs> Mr. Kelly, as well I, you should. Yeah. However, I do not let that bias my opinion on his Hall of Fame candidacy. No, uh, and I will, I will agree. Uh, he deserves to be in there. Um, the numbers are not spectacular on him, mm-hmm. although surprisingly, he was a plus one thirty-four for his Flyers career in seven hundred and forty games. Insane. That's... Did he play? Did he play in the eighties? Oh, I wouldn't believe that he did. He probably did for a tail end, maybe of, of the early '80s. But that's what I'm saying. Like, if you if he didn't play like the full '80s and he's running that big of a plus, like he obviously was a decent hockey player. You know what I mean? Like, just thinking about that because the '80s were the blow up of plus minus. The Steve, '70s said, weren't so much. Yeah, Steve, you said it was 730 games, right, in his career. 741 games, to be exact. Okay, so I did a... Uh, in which, by the way, he racked up 1,285 penalty minutes, according to my notes. Oh, I love A him. lot of fighting majors. So if you did I'm that over... yes, even more now because yeah. of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you took, like, and I don't know if they played 82 games, but if you did that over an 82-game series in 741 I games... Play, I think they played 80, but it could be 82. Let's just say 82 for, uh, for yeah. argument's sake. You're looking at about nine seasons. So... You know, like I mean, a, yeah. potentially he could have been in, you know, 1980, 81. We'll have to look that up, but very interesting. Yeah, I, I he's in. He's in. Yeah. I mean, he's part of the, I mean, two-time Stanley Cup winner. I don't think you could p- complain about that. And one of the greatest ambassadors the Flyers have ever had uh, in the alumni. So, yeah, he got to be in. Has to be in. Uh, and just, also, to, just, add a, just add real quick, uh, just a little bit of Bob Kelly knowledge. He, yeah, he's known as the guy that dropped the gloves. He's known as one of the the tough and tumble of that team. Dude could play. 
Like, yeah, when you're plus 140, yeah, when you're in the plus 100, could, you could play. You could actually play. When you watch the old footage, man knew how to back check a little bit. The man knew how to, as Steve learned, knew how to put his stick in places that uh, <laughs> he didn't want him in and slow guys down. He he is renowned as a, yeah. a defensive forward, defenseman kind of moving. I, I, I said it like two different ways, but... He knew how to move it forward and backwards. Yeah. And he wasn't when he was in the in the zones, mm. probably wasn't like in the offensive zone, he probably wasn't the best player, but mm. he knew where to play. And yeah. when he was in the back back end, he definitely knew how to play. He yeah. definitely knew who his goalie was. He knew how to do that stuff. But in the in the middle, he knew how to get under your skin. And that's probably why I got it in the the fights he did. Oh, no he, question about that. It was funny because what you just said, John, it kind of made me thought thinking early actually i should i should say oh he was a defenseman right and you guys were like no 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 he was a winger i was like oh man i didn't even realize that it was a winger doing that it was plus one because he because he knew how to play both of the zone like he knew he knew how to come back he knew how to go and that was it's a lost art in hockey it really is like the 70s they they did it well because you're going against guys you know like that that buffalo sabers that they were playing against in the 70s that was probably the hottest line in the history of hockey yep. you know, when they were playing them and they were able to shut them down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The stats, the stats back you up, by the way, uh, that he knew how to play. Mm. This also surprised me. He did score 128 goals yeah. as a flyer. That's fantastic. That's crazy. That's not bad. When you told That's me not that, bad I was for blown like away by that. I was like, I thought when you brought up uh, the Hound the first time, I'm like, dude, he scored, like, in my head, I'm just like, he had 65 goals for his career, like, nine, Maybe. ten-year career, 65 goals. Like, he's got Dan Cordick numbers is what I'm thinking. Like, <laughs> it's because what you, you know, the way you think of these yeah. players. Yeah, sure. And then you said that, and then, like, I started to do some research on Kelly, and I was yeah. like, watched a couple films, and I was like, this dude was way better than yeah. my little brain. My three-year-old brain remembers him. Like exactly. My 42-year-old brain is like, damn, that dude could play some hockey. Yeah. Like, <laughs> be in there. Exactly. All right, let's step into the 80s. Let's talk about Rick Tockett. Oh. What do you say? My, about that? The reason I like Flyers hockey. Just one my of the aunt, my aunt and uncle my, on my dad's side loved Rick Tockett. Yeah. I think I had a Tockett jersey. I'd have to check with my parents. I don't remember because I was that young. 22. I, I think I had a Tockett or a Zenzel jersey. Who knows? Yeah. But they, they were they were what Flyers hockey was. So I just vote on that because that's my first memory, basically. Yeah, was, I think that's 80s Flyers. Then, right? Say again? Yeah. He was a captain back then, right? He was, he, yeah. I think so. He was. I don't think he was originally. No. But I think he then, like a year or two, he might have been a couple years after Clark was. Yeah. Just, but only for a couple of seasons. But yeah, he was the transitional player between Clark. Yeah. And the next generation. And the next generation. Yeah. And that's kind of what makes him. He immediately goes in the Hall of Fame. The stats you're going to read off, people are going to be like, uh, yeah. like, oh my god, I didn't know he was that good. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> real he quick. Yeah, real quick. Those '80s Flyers. That's when I was really getting. I, I mean, I became a Flyers fan when I was seven. So that was like 1985, dating myself there. But you're right, you're right on, you're right on par. I loved watching those 80s Flyers team. I could not get enough of them. You had not only did you have Tockett, but you had Zezel, you had Prop, you had Sinisalo, you had Eklund, you had Timmy Kerr. You had so many great forwards. It's so much depth down the middle. Yeah. 
great defensive pairings in the back end. You have Mark Howell and Gordy Howell was there every night, you know, at, at the Spectrum watching his son play. And then, you, of course, you had Lindbergh and Nett. I mean, my God, and Hextall. That, yeah, that decade was just unbelievable. It's just too bad they didn't win a cup. But, my God, that was just, like, sold out every night. And Taka was a huge part of it. Huge part of it. And he did come back in, I believe it was 99. Yeah, yeah he did. A couple more and, and, and Steve told us that he wore 92, which yeah. is, I, I totally yes. need a throwback Tocket 92 jersey. You need <laughs> like, that Black Flyers cool. jersey Tocket 92 on the back. A that, black one. Absolutely yeah. the black one. Yeah, you need absolutely. the black one with the orange absolutely, absolutely, no, strip. Absolutely. Like, every Flyers fan needs that. Because yeah. that was the one memory I have of Tocket, like, just thinking about him. Yeah. Like first childhood memory I had was when he got traded to Pittsburgh and he wore 92. And I was like, he's so much cooler now. Than he was <laughs> just to get, you know, yeah, I, what I was like, 12. <laughs> 90 well, his, numbers were cool back then. Yeah, exactly. Stats. His, his, his flyer stats. He played 621 games for the flyers. A ton of games. 232 goals. Uh, 508 points. Ooh. And was plus fifty nine. Okay. For anybody yeah, I don't that have doesn't his... play hockey, it's hard to score goals. Yeah. <laughs> On that level, I... not only in your bar league, it's hard to score goals. I believe for his career, he's over five hundred. Yeah, he is uh, for his career, and he also was he also was good with the fists. I don't have his penalty minute numbers here. Mm. Uh, but he was a he, great guy. He knew how to drop them. Oh yeah. He was a decent to adequate penalty minute guy, fighting wise. He yeah. fought only when needed. He yeah. was no Donald Brashear if we're talking like real hockey, but he was definitely he was definitely a guy that would drop the gloves if needed. You knew he could pick his spot too because you yeah. knew how also how important he was to be on the ice scoring 232 goals in his career. And, Obviously and, you want that more you want him in the penalty box, but yeah, he knew when to drop a little him. bit more. He yep. he was a good coach when he coached. I don't know yeah. if he's still coaching, he's assistant, or he might be out of the league at this point. But I he, want to say he's still in Phoenix. He might be, but he he did it. He's done a decent job mentoring young players throughout his career. Yeah, just to give him a little bit more of a rub. No doubt. Yep. No doubt. I wish he was here actually because I he, his coaching style is. He'd like, be a great like assistant. Yeah. He really. uh, he joined the Penguins coaching staff back in twenty. 14. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, they had the the NHL draft here in Philadelphia that year. Mm. Um, and I was I was there, um, which and was he great didn't because get uh he actually did. He did get uh, it really yes. So wow. what happened was during roll call before the draft started, you know, every every table the GM would announce, you know, so and so here for the Atlanta Thrashers. Mm-hmm. And uh, smattering so, of booze, yeah, smatter, you know. So we booed you know, the Rangers, blah blah blah. Of course, we go, we go. I forget who I think it was Hexty, might have been his first or second year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Hexty, and we just blow up in excitement. Next, alphabetically, was Jim Rutherford. We were booing so loudly, he's like, This, this is this is Jim Rutherford, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Ah! <laughs> um, because we, we just drowned him out with booze. That's awesome. But when it came time for the Penguins to pick, mm. Rutherford, being the coward he is, sent 
talk it up to make the pick. Oh, well, you got and, it in that motion. Wow. And we booed talk it and talk it said, Jim, I told you it wasn't going to make a difference if you sent me up here. <laughs> it makes him even better human being. That's a great guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. So moving on, uh, the guy talk it was traded for mm-hmm. to, to Pittsburgh, Mark Recchi. I'll I'll start with Recchi. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Absolutely as a Flyers player, mm. even though he's played so many other places. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember Recchi just hockey wise, remember more as the penguin being pissed that he came to the Flyers just to have a conversation that he's in the Flyers Hall of Fame. Mm. I absolutely just because you you're gonna you you'll spend a numbers. He it, it's he's on parallel. Like the dude. Yeah. The dude should absolutely be. He was part of the crazy eighth line, and nobody remembers that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, exactly. Who yeah. remembers Brent Fennick? <laughs> <laughs> only because he was on the crazy eighth line. Exactly. Only was on the crazy eighth line. Yeah, I, I think yeah. my memories. Oh, of, Lindros, Recky, and that other guy. Yeah. And that other guy. My memories of Recky were really the second part. It was funny because, like, he did score the most points I think um, by a player in the franchise's history ever. One. In a in a season, yeah. In a season, 100, right, right. Hundred and twenty three points, which, which is remarkable. You, yeah, which no. gets you in without other stats. Yeah, exactly. The one thing though, that I remember him was his second stint back, and he comes back and he ends up, I think, scoring a key goal, game winner against Toronto. I think it was triple didn't win overtime, the series, right. but it was an overtime winner. Triple he, overtime. Triple overtime. Thank you. Yeah, triple triple overtime winner. We're in eleven. Wearing no, eleven? No, I think he was back to eight at that point. Was, was he really? Okay. Well, thank God, because yeah. that would be that would be a weird photo to have on your on your wall, right? Eleven recce scoring a game winning goal. Still, someone's got to have a jersey with that done, right? You would think like some guy went and has like a black Flyers jersey with recce eleven on the back. There's got to be somebody around well, who here. Did, what? Who did we? Who had the when? Because shame on, what was it, Jody Hall that Jody had it? Jody Hall like, had it, yeah. Shame on so, Jody Hall for not giving eight up immediately when Recky gets traded. Yeah, it's like, how does that even happen? You Like, I'm just, I'm throwing shade on him. Like, who are you not to drop that number literally when the yeah. news drops? Yeah. We're, 40, we're 42. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Recky you was, matter nothing. Yeah. Recky was reacquired in 1998. There you go. At, at which time you were correct, John. Jody Hull was sporting yeah, number eight. Screw Jody Hull. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Fortunately, Recky ate the whole time. Exactly. Fortunately for everyone, um, Jody Hull switched with Mark the following season. Oh, there you go. Like, by the like way, Jody Hull has a choice. <laughs> by the way, I believe Recky wore 11 in Boston. Now that I think mm-hmm. about it. Uh, you're right. No, he, he did. Totally did, and that that makes me more angry. Because what if Jody Hall would have been a man and gave him eight? He would have eight well, who, who you wore, out, Jody Hall. Who wore eight in Boston? Was it Cam Neely? Yes. Yeah, Cam Neely wore eight. Yeah, yeah and I think they were going to retire that number, so that made sense. Yeah. It's now like, I'm going to shit on Mark Recchi for not having like you cut the war eighty-eight. <laughs> come on, bro. Like, we're not think, like numbers. Come on, we're not thinking. No, exactly. Oh, that's funny. Should have worn ninety-eight. Put the you know, do the nine. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. That I'm, uh, I'm just playing around. So Recky's the the knock on Recky 
from, you know, that I hear is that he had more success away from the Flyers than he did mm. with the Flyers. And he did win three Stanley Cups, obviously none with us, one with Pittsburgh, one in Carolina, and one in Boston. Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he played the most games in his career with the Flyers, hmm. 602. Uh, he is ninth all-time in regular season scoring with 627 points for point the Flyers mm-hmm. in 602 games. Point per game. Point per game, absolutely. Yeah. More than a point per game. More than a point impressive. per game. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> you can't go I wrong with in. that. Yeah. I say in. Yeah, I would I say in. I, I mean, I, I'd probably be on the border bubble out, but I, I think bubble in would be the more accurate statement. I think he the impact he made on the his career here you know you think about that early 90s flyers weren't all that good he puts up 123 on a team where he had absolutely no business to put up 123 he could have phoned it in he didn't he proved his worth really uh proved how great of a player he was to do that um of a team that just wasn't going anywhere had really bad defense really bad goaltending and he was and playing he that kind followed of, that up with i think it was like 101 you know, the next 101 the next season yeah so i mean the guy could flat out play and like he was also very well liked by you know by the fan base and the flyers as well came back for the second stint made a couple runs you know with us obviously had more success leaving but i would say bubble in i would say he's in for me um for sure i think the impact he made um, just in those two seasons in the early 90s really solidified him, I think, for me. Absolutely. Yeah. agree. All right, so the last candidate, uh, my wife's favorite player, uh, so I she'll be happy. Fa- I, think, I think he's all of our favorite players in yeah. one way or another. We yeah. all have love to show to him. No doubt. Yeah, so that's Simone Gagne. Yeah. Um, he uh, unfortunately he had he had some injuries he missed an entire season with a concussion uh, mm-hmm. it was like 2008 i think mm-hmm. um otherwise i think he would have he would have had even more good statistics yeah he played 691 games in a flyer uniform wow. scored 264 goals 535 points which Talk puts him Puts him twelfth all time regular season scoring. Yeah. You're you're in immediately if you're if you're above twenty. Yeah, I, be, I bet you in. I bet you the top mm-hmm. eleven are probably in or going in, right? Yeah. So funny too, those numbers that you just said, Steve, with the number of goals, the number of points, it's very similar to Rick Tockett. Tockett had the same amount it's, of virtually yeah. the same amount of goals, same amount yeah. of points. It is. So you have like um, generational talents there. It's really amazing. You know, just stop to think about that. Yeah. Gagne also, and I think where this definitely makes him, you know, for sure in 90 uh, games played in the playoffs, mm-hmm. 32 goals. Oh, oh yeah. by the way, I didn't mention he, Gagne was plus 140 <sighs> for his entire career. How do you even do that? Like if you, might, okay, if you take about the Forsberg years, he's minus... 40. Forsberg year no, and a half. No, I'm just saying. I'm just messing around. But no, it's, it's absolutely due to Forsberg years, the year and a half that Forsberg is there, probably yeah. gives him a decent rub in that. Yeah. But no, the, the fact that he, he's he been good on a bunch of lots. Yeah. That was it the was, thing. You could plug and play him Detroit. anywhere. Yeah. He was, he was, he goes in for this reason and this reason only. Mm. Before he got older, he was at least the top winger 
or second top winger. And at least on the power play and penalty kill his entire career with the Flyers. Like he, he never went backwards to a third line or anything. Like he was, he was at least a top four scorer. He was definitely top two winger the entire time. And you're talking a ton of guys that came through in his career. Oh yeah. So that I, I, that's why I think he's in like, like you said, generational talent. Like he was, he's, he was Claude Giroux before Claude Giroux. Yeah. Like that generational talent that is just, he solidifies your, your wing for X amount of years. So I think he's definitely in just for that. Yeah. He is also, he has also scored some of the biggest playoff goals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I know, I I know which one Matt wants to point out. 2010. 2010 was my absolute favorite because of the way they came back to win it in game seven. But yeah, there was also 2004 Tampa Bay, you know, to force game seven. Yeah. Um, he's been on. Yeah. I mean, he's been a clutch performer, clutch performer and one out of every three playoff games, he's scoring a goal. I mean, you can't ask for anything better than that. 30 goals, 90 playoff games. So, you know, I mean, the guy was a clutch performer, great, great player. One of the funniest things that I remember when he was when he eventually won a cup with, I believe it was the Kings. Yes. He had his separated shoulder, and he tried to remember he tried to lift the cup up with the separated shoulder and almost dropped the cup. And it was like, oh my gosh, got to be careful. It was like it was like or something was like either a separated shoulder or broken clavicle or collarbone. And he tried to lift the cup up, and he almost dropped it. It was like it was so almost so funny. Just lift it. Lift yeah. it one handed, damn it. Three, yeah. 32 pound trophy. You're not gonna, you know. Like, of, so just, the just sorry. as one more thing, he's one of the only flyer players where he has a number that a Hall of Famer has, mm-hmm. and we're talking about him going into Hall of Fame. Like nobody knows about that number lineage because he created his own lineage with that number, 12. which is very rare in sports. Yeah. yeah. Yes. No doubt. Uh, I just wanted to bring up Matt's talked about game seven against Boston in 2010. Um, it's easy to forget because of that goal. He actually scored the overtime winner yeah. in game four, four. which yeah. kept the series alive. And yeah. that was his first game back from a broken foot. He had suffered in the previous series. Wow. Wow. Um, so he was, he was uh, a warrior for sure. No doubt uh, about that. And a, and a, a Phenomenal goal scorer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so there, that shot just to, just to end the whole thing. That shot between the circles, when he yeah. could move off his player and just get that pass, do you weren't you you couldn't stop it? No, you he get, had that. Brodor, one of the great, greatest goaltenders, couldn't stop that. Yeah, he had that great motion where he could like toe drag it in one in one mm-hmm. move and then fire a wrist shot off. He it. just yeah, he just and had that, that wrist shot was a rocket. That was a thing, Steve. It was like one of those you drag and he just whew, just able to just wrist it right by him, and it was a rocket of a wrist a, shot. Probably why he had a separated shoulder in the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> yeah, probably why, <laughs> exactly. And it was with All the right, lightning. So, that's right. He won it with the lightning, I think. No, 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 no. It was, was the Kings. That's right. No, it was the Kings. He, went to the he played for the lightning. Yeah. Got it. He did. Got it. Yep. Which that's how much I love Simone Gagne. I remember he played for the lightning. Yep. yep. <laughs> cool. All right. So now to our list of retired players 
mm. who may in the future come up for consideration. Yes. Um, they may have been considered in the final cut down this year, but we don't know. Uh, I'm going to list them out and we can talk about them in whatever order we want to do it. Yep. Uh, I have, and these are, these are name recognizable flyer players. Mm. We have Jeremy Roenick, Keith Primo, okay. Mike Richards, uh, Danny Briere, Scott Hartnell, and Kimo Timonen. Let's let let's start with Kimo Timonen because this is the one that we we all love. Kimo Timonen is in in, and there's not much to talk about because Kimo Timonen. Matt'll Matt'll tell you like Kimo Timonen is the third in our uh, Mount Rushmore of defensemen. Yeah, he's in. He's absolutely just in. This generation's Eric Desjardins, bar down, bar none. I, I, I can't come up with any other higher praise than that. Desjardins, of course, my man, but Timon is right there. And he would be like, if you're like 15, 16 years old and you grew up watching the 2010 Flyers, you're like, oh my God, Kimo Timon is the best defenseman I've ever seen. You know, that kind Steve, of deal. Steve, break down the Mount Rushmore that we have, why well, Kimo is in. Well, he he's actually third all time in defense scoring regular season for the Flyers behind mm-hmm. Mark Howe uh, and Eric Desjardins. There you go. Yep. There you go. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. I think all. And that's is, pretty much like we don't a, have the fourth. I beg, I, I beg I, you yeah. to become that fourth, but you know, that is <laughs> I think uh, he'll get there. Maybe it might be <laughs> Ivan Provorov. You never know. I, I love that kid more than, more than I think he likes himself. His just playing style is amazing, but yeah, I want to see I want to see Pro Rob be the fourth. But I in my in my modern day, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean we could we could add a seventies guy, but I I I was born in seventy eight, so I got nothing for you guys for seventies Flyers hockey players that I've seen. The only thing I could think of would be Ed Van Imp, and yeah, I remember that great quote that he had. When he was skating by, you know, against a Soviet player, and you know he elbows him, and the quote he said was, "Well, he ran into my elbow. What was I supposed to do?" <laughs> one one human being, I won't I won't divulge names, said about Ed Van Imp. Ed Van Imp is a better person than he is a player. No doubt. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, Timon and Zen. No Timon doubt. Timon and Zen. Yeah, Timon and absolutely. So we have Ronick. Why don't we go Jeremy Ronick? All right, let's talk uh, Ronick. So we so got the, good. See the, the surprise we all had, and I thought it was just me. No, we all thought Jeremy Ronick played here a lot longer than he actually did. No doubt. Uh, it only turned out he was here for three seasons. Which, 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 just so I can be the bearer of bad news, you're not in. You only played here for three seasons. I would say, yeah. I mean, it's a bubble out for me. I mean, his impact was huge, no question. Big signing, you know, big free agent huge signing back signing. then. And was a tremendous player in the early 2000s uh, for us. You know, scored a lot of goals. Very exciting, very popular player. Yeah, great goal scorer. Great goal scorer. Great. Great player to play in NHL '94, by the way. His one timer was unbelievable. There you go. But there you go. I d- bubble out. I think he's bubble out for me for the simple fact that he was only here for three seasons. John, to your point, it's kind of like, yeah. It's, okay, well, what else? Just, Where else? What else did you do? You're you not do a, much. That would be like putting Adam Oates in. 
Like, Adam Oates was nah, nah, hold on a second. Hold on. Adam Oates was a cup of coffee, and that was pretty Adam much Oates it. Adam Oates was only here for 24 games or whatever it was. But he was just, here a cup of coffee, and that did coffee, it. Coffee, yeah. 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 Adam no, Oates but, a cup of coffee, not the cream of the crop, not the ketchup <laughs> and the mustard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he just, it, it's just, I'm trying to, I'm being facetious, but it's, sure. it, he was not here long. Like, although we, have fond memories we talked about in pre-production we talked about the goalie scored against the rangers i had the i had the inquire piece cut out on my wall as a kid mm. like what you know when he scored and he's on the net like that's one of the coolest things yeah. ever yeah. but dude three years hall of fame like is he in the nhl hall of fame absolutely yeah no. over like, 500 goals Probably. He definitely will be. be in the Phoenix Coyotes Hall of Fame, most likely. And probably in the Chicago Blackhawks. But he shouldn't be in this one. But not in the Flyers. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. Yeah. Just just to round it out, his stats as a Flyer, 216 games, 67 goals. Uh, so he was 20, 20 or more, I think, all three yeah. seasons. Which yeah. that's, but, but that was his, his error of... By the time he got here, he was long in the tooth. He wasn't... He was the playmaker. He wasn't the Jeremy Roenick goal scorer that Chicago knew. 211 points. Yes. That's right. my point. That's about a point a game. Although yeah. it yeah. has him, it has him only 58 in uh, the flyer list of regular seasons. Yeah. Right? See right there. This, yeah. this I found interesting. Mm. Plus 53 for his flyer career. <sighs> Jeremy Roenick was not what I considered a defensive a plus center a plus yeah, player he's not a plus player he's yeah. not i don't think i don't think statistically i don't know if we had that but statistically i don't think he was as a career plus player at all i think he was even if i remember correctly i'll have to look that yeah, up on hockey I, I just don't i don't think jeremy roenick is a defensive stalwart and i don't think you're i don't think he was scoring ever at the level where he's gonna he's gonna finish high plus no like he's just not that guy yeah all right, let's okay. let's talk about Ronick's teammate for a number of seasons, mm -hmm. uh, and the reason my son has the name he has—that's yeah. Keith Primo. I automatically <laughs> in, and I'll only give you one one reason. Captain, my captain. Yeah. He he. So Bobby Clark was the captain in the seventies. Even Lindros being a captain. Yeah. You know, as like the next big captain. Primo's my captain when you talk about the Flyers. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, I've lived throughout all of the captains. Mm -hmm. Primo's a captain. You're just in, yeah. and this is my rule of if you were the captain of the Flyers team and they had somewhat success, you should probably be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So it yeah. doesn't, like, his stats don't matter to me. Keith Primo's it was a Flyer captain for a long period of time. Yeah. He's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And the I, fact I, that I love this game. I can't add to what John just said. I think he's exactly right. I think all three of us, if we ever were blessed to play ice hockey on the Flyers, would want Keith Remo captaining, captaining the entire team. Just for the simple fact that the guy would go into all kinds of grit and grime and muck and you know come out, lead you through all kinds of battles, and would come out as a winner. And that's who Keith Primo was. He literally down. played... For five million dollars a year, like we would in a Sunday game, yeah. just for pride. Yeah, he played that way, and that I think that's why he goes in. 
Yeah. He embodies what the Philadelphia Flyers are. Steve, what are your thoughts on that real quick? So I just, I'll read his stats first. 312 games, 87 goals, 213 points. Hmm. Uh, but he was, he was not, he was not counted upon as kind of the top scoring. No. Right. Uh, his, his worth uh, a lot of times was his defensive presence. Uh, he was a very good defensive center. Absolutely. Um, Great faceoff guy. Yeah. Yeah. When you draw anywhere, offense, defense, neutral, didn't matter. He did very well on the power play too. He did. Yes, he did. Very well. Uh, and I think, I think some, some of the playoff memories, I think mm. help the case to put him in. So Absolutely. ended the longest game in the modern NHL history yep. uh, in Pittsburgh in the year 2000, 2000 with the yeah. fifth overtime game winner. And it was a pretty goal. It wasn't like off somebody's yes. rear end. By the way, it started when I went to work and ended three hours after I got home from work. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but also his his um, run in 2004, yeah. which I think it ended in the conference finals against Tampa Bay only because I think the team ran out of gas. Mm-hmm. Um they had lost Desjardins before the playoffs even started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Defenseman Sammy Kapanen had to play shifts on defense because they were down so many defensemen. Yeah. So the series against Toronto was brutally Brutal, physical. Bad. Yeah. Tampa yeah. Bay series went seven games. Yeah. And it was a long, tough series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Phil Esposito was actually quoted as saying, watching Keith Primo in that run in 2004, yeah. that was the most dominant playoff run he's ever seen from anybody. And that includes Gretzky and Lemieux. Wow. Which is saying something. That but, is really saying yeah. something. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think he's a resounding in hundred percent. The, yep. the, the last thing I'll say, just a lot of the goals he scored that playoff year. And we're going to, we're going to get to Danny Briere, who was, mm. Probably the most phenomenal playoff scorer I have yeah. ever seen. Yeah. But Danny Briere's goals are like opportunistic. It's like yeah. all of a sudden he's there and the puck is in the net. Yeah. And it's like, where the hell did he come from? from exactly. Yeah. Keith Primo would like skate it down the ice, beating three people up <laughs> as he's skating with it. And then just like stuffing it in the net. Yeah. You know, th- these were not things of beauty. These were these Pull were back shoot and then follow it up with three rebounds. Like I'm going to beat this this just going to just bury this puck into this net. It's yeah, going exactly. In. Keith yeah. Primo was sure sheer will. Yeah. Yes. And I think I, I, that is all we why we love him so much. Yeah. 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 And I I will say I went to after he retired, uh, unfortunately due to injuries. Mm. Um, they had a Keith Primo night. Nice. Uh, it was the year the Flyers were god awful. Mm. Um, but they beat the Detroit Red Wings, who I think won the Stanley Cup that year. Mm. Oh, that's hilarious. So it was like seven to one. Oh, geez. They absolutely annihilated him. And I, I do think Keith Primo's presence had something to do with it. Had that. something to do with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, you mentioned Danny Briere. Um, yeah. There's another guy on your list, Steve, and uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you're talking about a guy yeah. that can flat-out score, especially when it comes to the playoffs. I think there was one stat we looked up that was amazing. I think it was 2011-12. He 
he had a shooting percentage of 30% in that playoff run. This is the year after the That's 2010. 30% shooting That's percentage. That's huge. What are you looking at? Normal? The good players are 24? The normal like, is usually around 18. players are 15. Like 15 to 18%. This yeah, was double that. Really? 15 to 18 is good. Yeah. This Your is 24 double that. is like superstar. Yeah. Like. yeah. It was freaking phenomenal. 30% that's shooting. That's just, yeah. that's phenomenal. The, yeah. the, the, the knock that I've heard against Briere is that he didn't spend enough time here. Uh, I, he was here by my count, I think around five seasons. I think so. Yeah. Which I doesn't seem like a lot. Than that. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a lot. He had 364 games as a flyer. 364. Okay. Uh, which he scored 283 points. But the what what does it for me hmm. is the playoffs. Is the playoffs. Yeah. 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 Okay. He that transcends the, the amount of years, to be honest. Yeah. 68 game, 68 playoff games played as a flyer. Can't wait for this. Okay. 37 goals. <laughs> Jeez. 72 yeah. points. Yeah. Okay. That is a point a game, over a point a game. He is the only player, he's, he's one of two players in Flyer history to have played in 50 or more playoff games and averaged a point or per game or more. Mm. The other is Eric Lindros. Uh, in, so in 68 games, which is also by far the lowest in the top 10, he is number seven all-time in Flyer playoffs. Oh, my gosh. That pretty much that pretty much just puts you into the Hall of Fame right there. He's in, yeah. That alone gets in, yeah. in my yeah. estimation. No, no, it's the no, same no. thing with Recky with the single, you, you, single season. You know what I mean? Like, once you hold one of those records – you just gotta put you just gotta go in. Yeah. Oh, thank you for reminding me because Briere also holds the Flyer single season point record for playoff year. There you go. Uh, with 30 in 2010. There you go. So, so he's got two, or, so he's yeah. got two records. So he's definitely in if we're using the Mark Recchi rule. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's interesting because just this kind of just popped in my head. Is he the most popular flyer of the last 10, 15 years? I'll only give you base? I'll I'll only give you one. Maybe Giroux. And I'm not that and I'm not that much of a Flyers fan, but I was back when Briere came here. When mm. Briere got traded, I literally worked I, I took three extra shifts so I could pre-order the black Danny Briere jersey mm-hmm. the week when it was coming because it was coming out a week and I was like, I remember calling my manager and was like, like how, how much overtime you have? Well, I've got three extra shifts, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to take them because I want them because I want the two hundred and ninety-five dollar jersey." Oh, jersey, yeah. I, like, yeah. literally worked it, bought it, and had it. I, I gave it away uh, a couple of years ago to a deserving young man, but mm-hmm. um, I need it when he got traded here. He was my favorite player for Buffalo. Yeah, um, he was one of my favorite NHL players, and the fact that he came to the Flyers blew my mind i got to meet him twice mm. and he signed a ton of stuff for me i adore him as a human just as much as i do as a player he's a better player than he is a human just joking but i'm just <laughs> saying like my love for him as a player is bigger than yeah, yeah. he's a good yeah. dude no that's good that's really good all right pop so popular players were on i think another guy he played with was pretty popular that was scott yes. hartnell yep 
Um, mm. Scott Hardnell had a lengthy Flyer career. Yeah. 517 games. Wow. Okay. Uh, 326 points. He was yep. Hartnell was this shocked me plus 49 for his Flyer career. Makes no sense. For all the times he fell down, plus 49. Go figure. Yeah, that, um, he probably yeah. fell down on the power play a couple times while they were scoring on his way back. Um, there, there's no other explanation for that because yeah, he, yeah. And he fell so down that, in game seven, got back up, <laughs> roofed the backhander, scores a goal, that got was, him within one. I mean, what more can you say? That's Scar Arnold's career, yeah. Yeah, if we're going on that, he's in the Hall of Fame. I don't just not it, not. Great dude, great humanitarian. Maybe he needs good. a couple more years, do you think, Johnny? No, I think he needs a couple more goals. A couple more goals. <laughs> okay. Okay. 157 wasn't good enough for you? No. No. Okay. Not for the length of his career. Okay. Okay. Like he didn't do what Kelly did. You know what I mean? Wasn't wasn't a presence everywhere. Was it it was a decent decent play like i think the dude's eventually going to get in the hall of fame for the flyer because he's a flyer true true, but i just don't think like now that maybe we need to forget some of the things about his career and then we'll think of him like we do kelly like how great he was Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like just efficient in he was the throw-in in the chemo team in a trade we had to take him just so we could get chemo team in him. I just want to put perspective on it. Okay. Okay. Fair. We needed his salary. Yeah. We needed to take his salary so we, we could get a guy salary like there. Yeah. Decent player. I will say that. I'd say he was probably a decent yeah. player. Um, I was probably, if I had to make a choice of when that he's in, I would say bubble in, but barely. I think it would probably be a couple more years of appreciating his career. I think that's probably the Biggest. Or forgetting the deficiencies. Or forgetting the deficiencies of him falling down, getting back up, and you know all that kind of stuff. But I mean, when you when you fall down that many times, and you create a T-shirt that goes to a charity, I think it helps a children's charity, if I'm not mistaken. Great human being. Great human being. <laughs> you can't ask for any better than that. I mean, you know, great human being. Great human being. Can't ask for any better. Than what do you that. think, Steve? I think he's in. You okay. think he's in? Okay. Uh, the Hartnell down stuff was great. Yeah, I think he had a long enough career here and was was a fan favorite favorite mm-hmm. uh, for a really long time. Yep. I mean, the 2012 since I'm in the <laughs> wrestling year, you know, he did it to the uh, the guys in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't disagree. I just it's a showman. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. And he was he was I, he he stuck up for his teammates. He was he yep. was oh, a great yeah. teammate. Yeah. Um, he threw his glove at a dude on a breakaway. You know, that was fantastic. <laughs> I really don't think, I don't think anybody could say anything bad about him. No. But like, no. I really don't think that any NHL player would say anything bad about him. I don't think any executive or any coach would say anything bad about him. Yeah. It's just one of those, like, like Matt said, he's like, a, he's a bubble in. Like for me, he's just a bubble out. I'm like, okay. I, I haven't been away from you long enough <laughs> to know that you, you do these things. Gotcha. You know I mean? All right, so yeah. Maybe we- 10 years. I'm like, Hartnell was the best, but I got away from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess this is the first one we really disagree on, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think we disagree on the next one at all. No. Yeah. So the last one is Mike Richards. Absolutely not. Out. Yeah. yeah I, absolutely I, not. This one is, I mean, his career was so, what's the word? I don't think it was polarizing. 
but it I was definitely it was. a controversial move to give it to give the captaincy to a kid that was 23 years old yeah with a city with a major city where the expectations are you have to win the Stanley Cup every single year when when just just to quote Steve when we were talking about this in pre-production when mm-hmm. chemo team and on team right yeah like yeah. yeah, it was it was a bold, it was a bold move by bad management, and yeah. I don't blame Mike Richards for his career here, mm-hmm. like at all. Like I I won't I won't pull any punches for that. I don't blame Mike Richards for any of it. He was set up to fail, and he failed very well, spectacularly. Um, yeah, yeah, he <laughs> failed very well here. Um, yeah. Love him as a player. Loved him with the Kings. Followed him all the way to the Kings. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed that first Stanley Cup run. Yep. Enjoyed that he won a second one, not being as a part of it as everybody wanted him to be. Yeah. Because you know you want to see guys like that succeed because he's yep. a good dude. But as Flyers it, it's literally for me, it's against the rule that I made for Primo being the captain. Yeah. Because he was the captain, but it was so unsuccessful mm-hmm. and it left a shit ton of responsibility in Claude Giroux's lap that might have hampered Giroux because of the shit storm that he left because he wasn't ready. Hmm. Yeah, that could be that could be a thought. And it, it, yeah. it kind of burns me a little bit that, yeah. you know, like you could at least hand it off or, or ripped it off your chest if you weren't ready. Mm-hmm. That's where he... Yeah. So it just—it's too controversial. Like, there's no way you could put him in the hall. Yeah, Eric hard. Desjardins stepped down as captain. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what—that's I mean, what I was kind of going for. Yeah. Yeah. You just so, sometimes you know you can't lead. Yeah, and that—that that was really that was a disaster. I remember when Desjardins was captain, it was like all of a sudden, okay, well, we got to give it up somebody because Lindros is like, you know, crap in the bed, and it's like, do you want? Yeah, okay. I think that's probably what happened. It was, yeah, I'll do it. You know? well, at that point, I think uh, Desjardins probably made sense because yeah. Primo hadn't had he had been traded there that year, so yeah. it didn't really doesn't know anybody. To... Yeah, and Desjardins uh, going to give it to yeah, yeah, give it a point. veteran guy. And I yeah, don't but... think I don't think they wanted Leclerc as the captain. Recky had just come back the back. season before. I think Desjardins made sense. Sense, but my point was Desjardins had the sense to realize this is this is not no. my role my role yeah yeah exactly but that's that's what i'm saying and like I, i'm know, more of the captain of the defense than i am captain of the team right yeah right i i agree with john i think the flyers i think the flyers made the decision before he even came to the team that mike richards eventually was going to be the captain yeah. of the future mm-hmm. i don't think he I, was made for it i i'd be okay with it if they gave it the chemo for three seasons and then transferred it over, get the kid wet under the ears, get him learning, keeping him in that room because mm-hmm. you don't like, because everybody knows mentorship, right? Oh, sure. You bring it, every, all of us are bringing on people mm-hmm. that we think that, that are not ready, but we know they can be at some time. Mm-hmm. You're bringing them into the big conversations. You're bringing them into the, yeah. the, but they never did that with him. And I think that, but you don't not force. Oh, yeah. Great, he's a good hockey player. Yeah, he's not a great hockey player. He's got two cups. You could say he's got more than most people have. Yeah, but not. But at not all a captain. Flyers. Not a captain. Yeah. yeah, not a captain that young. Not at twenty three. I think no. that is and not a hall of famer. 
and not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, for I, that. no, I don't want to. I don't want to make it seem like he he didn't have some great moments here. I think he did. Mm-hmm. Oh, he absolutely um, did. He absolutely the twenty did. the twenty ten run. He was he was an oh. integral part of that. No doubt. Uh, he had that big goal against Montreal, oh, the shorthanded no. goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I agree with you guys. I think the the captaincy was too much, and I think. He succeeded in L.A. because in L.A. he was more of a role player. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, was it? Dustin, who was the captain? Dustin Brown. Dustin yep. Brown. Yep. Dustin Brown was the captain. You had a superstar in Andre Kopitar. Pressure's you off. Lead, you had Drew Doughty to lead the defense. You had Jonathan Quick, a phenomenal goalie. Yeah. Mike Richards didn't have to play the lead dog role. No. Pressure was totally right. off. But and when that he happens. Just do what he did with the Flyers is play with, with Jeff Carter on a line. You know yeah. what I mean, and have yeah. fun. Yeah, pressure was completely off really, his shoulders at that point. That's when yeah. he really started to excel when he could just have fun. Agreed. Yeah, and exactly. you know who knows if it could have happened here, but I, it the last year here soured me on him because yeah, it looked like he didn't want to be here. He didn't want to play. Yeah, you know the intensity I saw in 2010 when they went to the Cup final, it just kind of disappeared. All but gone. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I know some personal things that I will not say on the podcast, but Steve is absolutely right. There yeah. was there was a lot of deflation. Mm-hmm. Well, on I the mean, outside, not just on the rink. I'm yeah. talking about in behind the scenes. There was a ton of deflation. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we percent correct. Yeah, we all know why his run with the Kings ended. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, uh, it, it was, was the it same was, reason why. It was the same reason why that Flyers thing, it was the exact same reason, but it was just not publicized. Yeah. Uh, it was nice. I will say it was nice. I was happy to just because from personal experience from people who uh, suffer from addiction, it was nice to see him get back into the league when he played for Washington. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, no doubt. I was happy to see that. Absolutely. absolutely. It was, he was never going to be the same player. And I, I again, I think as yeah. a, as a role player, he would have done a lot better than he did as captain. So I, I don't think any of us hate him as a player. That's that. That's the funny part about no, it. I would agree He's with that. You know, but he just wasn't. I, again, it goes back to the leadership for me. It's like you're 23 years young. Here you go. Here's the captaincy of a National Hockey League team in a city that has a ton of pressure to win the cup. I don't think that's really what you want to do to a 23 year old. Unless, as a result, unless that 23 year old, there are. Young yeah. captains in the no league. Doubt. But I Pronger, think that, Pronger was yeah. a young captain. But well, Pronger, Pronger had the personality. Yeah. He was way beyond his years. Exactly. Yes. It's yes. okay to name a 23 year old captain or younger if they have the personality to handle it. I just yeah, when they can handle yep. when they can handle a 29 year old, you know, with a family yeah, exactly. of four. Yeah, you know, a 23 year old can't look a dude in the eye with a family of four trying to get ice time and trying to work his ass off why why the captain's going out and partying you're not going to see eye to eye exactly that's such a great that's a great point that's a great point steve that All was right, a great so list yeah before we before we move on to, he's not retired yet and he's still a flyer but Let's do uh, it. real quick Paul Giroux. yes in absolutely absolutely in, in. absolutely, in. absolutely. Gen- like like we said about Simone Gagne he's a generational talent yep and and I'll make the point in national hockey league he's a generational talent for the fact that he, Crosby, Ovechkin, those guys, he's playing amongst them and he doesn't look small to that task. No. And that's what you need to really look at in a generational talent. It's kind of like 
like I'll just take a just out of the out of the realm of nowhere. Jason Spezza. Yep. Damn good player. Mm-hmm. Played in the time that Simone Gagne was finishing his career. Mm-hmm. You can look them be very parallel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, but it's looking at like I'm not saying Claude Giroux is the talent that they are, but yeah. he is definitely in Philadelphia that generational talent that takes that team to that next generation. He's yeah. not he's not a pure scorer like Ovechkin, but no. he kills penalties. Yeah. He does uh, makes defensive zone more. draws. Yeah. Defensive yeah. zone he draws. Far. He's he is one of the top two yeah. in the league in faceoffs, it seems like every year. Couturier being the other one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love Sean Couturier. Which I, which by the way, I love him to death. I yeah. would love him to score 70 goals a year just so I could count him up <laughs> as like the greatest thing I've ever seen. Because he like seems like he's gonna score 70 every year and never does. And never does. <laughs> like, yeah. That's how good he is. Yeah. And and Claude Giroux, not only does he have the talent, but he has the attitude. Yeah. And I think you can see he competes. Every right time in. he's on the ice, no doubt about that. He is, he's, he he's is generational. You never see a shift off with him. Yeah, I agree. No, he no. he is a competitor to the core, well, and do when they don't, don't win, hockey like Mike Missinelli. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before Tyrone Johnson gets his own show, John. So just wait. He on. better he exactly. Better. Yeah. Well, a uh, topic four, gents, as we uh, start to wrap up uh, episode 50 here, we're talking a little fantasy Philly sports. So yes. this segment is all about who we would want to see in the most pressure-packed, lights are bright situations, who's going to come through in the clutch to win, to win a game or a playoff series or whatever. So I'm just going to throw this out here. Mm-hmm. It's bottom of the ninth. You got two outs. You got a runner on second. You're down one. Okay. Who do you want at bat? And it doesn't matter who in the Phillies. Who do you want at bat to give you the two-one homer to give you the win, the walk-off homer? I'm gonna go to Steve first. Who would you want? Uh, to me, um, I have to. It's just because it's happening right now. I gotta go. 2021 Bryce Harper. Yeah. You he's playing out of his mind, and I think really. if you need you need that homer, he's gonna get it for you. He's gonna give it to you. You can't. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go very kitschy because of the 08 team. I'm gonna go 08 Jason Worth because <laughs> that dude. Was, that's not a bad selection at all, really. Honestly, that dude was clutch as hell. Clutch 08, as hell. He earned that contract he got with the Nationals yeah. just because he was that clutch. No doubt. I couldn't disagree with either one of those selections for me. Chase Utley, 2008. And go. I would want it against the damn Mets as well. Oh, yeah. That... <laughs> oh, yeah. You got so Just many. Just to of them. stick the knife in a little bit more. Um, okay, two minute drill. You're down five. You're the Eagles against the Cowboys. Let's just make this fancy NFC <laughs> championship game. All right. You need to get six points, right, to win the game. Two minute drill. Who do you want as quarterback? John. Nick. Nicky Foles. Okay. The only one that's ever completed the task. So <laughs> maybe Donovan? No. Maybe? No. No. Nicky Foles. Not. Okay. Okay. Just, just to just would you clear for the record, I hate Donovan McNabb as a person, <laughs> as a player. As I I don't even I'm not even I don't even care about his career here. 
Like he yeah. sucks that bad. Other than the broken ankle, four touchdowns, Arizona, I give him props for that. That's it. <laughs> I hate him for everything else in life. <laughs> I think he's a smug piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Nikki Foles. Steve. Oh, uh, I Don, I don't hate Donovan McNabb as like John. Uh, I I you didn't, I you didn't get you didn't get to meet him. <laughs> I I hey look I I'm just saying as a player. Uh, no, I understand. I understand. No, I, I I have respect for what he did as a career. I just I do I do too. I'm just being yeah. facetious. Yeah. He just couldn't get over. Yes. No. You know, the hump and no. John's right. Nick Foles is really the only guy. Yeah. Do it and he did it against. Probably the best. Yeah, uh, Tom playing, to be after playing this week. Still, he's still yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah. I, it look. One hundred and twelve. He went. He went. To, I know they they don't play against each other, but you went toe to toe with Tom Brady. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Score for score. Yeah. Score for score. This was not. This was. This was not the the Giants of 07 or eleven that beat Tom Brady by playing defense. Yeah, there was really no such thing in Super Bowl uh, no. fifty two. Yeah, no. <laughs> it was score for score. Yeah. It was score for score. You went score for score with Tom Brady. You caught a touchdown. Okay, <laughs> against Tom, Tom yeah. Brady. That you called. You, <laughs> called. you exactly. called. Exactly. Yeah, that's what yeah. I said. That's an ice water invade. Like that's what that's yeah. what I'm. That's what I hope twenty twenty one Bryce Harper is yeah. for the Phillies. Yep. This is what I hope Jalen Hurts is going to be. I that guy. Yeah. It, 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 when you talk quarterback in 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 Philadelphia history, I want that guy catching yeah. the touchdown pass, not throwing it. That calls it when he just drove the team down. Yeah, I I can't disagree with both of you. I mean, my God, the most clutch quarterback we've ever seen yeah. in the history of this franchise, really. Exactly. Now, we, we don't have anybody else. Just because I want to name drop him, just because to give him some love, because I love the guy. Go for it. Uh, just on pure moxie alone, mm. my next choice would be Coy Detmer. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Dude, that San Francisco game. Oh, the dislocated elbow. That was a yeah. Masterpiece. Yeah, it was. That literally, I, I always imagine this, and we've talked about this a million times, me and you, when it was happening. We, me and you talked about it. It's literally like he took Andy Reid's playbook, yeah, rewrote it in the huddle, yeah. handed it back to him at the end game. It was like, this is how you operate your offense. Because that's literally yeah. what he did. Yeah. yeah. Against, yeah. A, against, against a really good 49ers team, yeah. Yeah, like that wasn't a the shake no. your stick at team. That was a couple of years removed from the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, that gives you an idea. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't a shaker. That, no, that absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, and and for for him to go into Green Bay, yeah, and to bull whip at Brett Favre. Oh yeah, you know, I know oh, we yeah. lost the game, but that kid showed some real guts there. Oh yeah, real moxie, absolutely. All right, you're down one. You on the foul line. You need two free throws. You're the Sixers. Not Ben. You make both of them. You win the NBA title. Oh jeez. Then I really want JoJo. <laughs> I didn't know it was for the NBA, NBA title. It's the NBA title. You're down JoJo, one game seven. Yeah. yeah. JoJo's making them. For yeah. the NBA title, JoJo's making them and then riding a horse off. <laughs> <laughs> the way he should. They got the white horse right in the, yeah. <laughs> right in the green party of the stadium. Like, he is the new Koi Detmer. That's awesome. Steve. 
Um, as much as I would love to see that, uh, <laughs> riding on the horse, that I would be definitely fantastic. want to see that. Like, <laughs> that, that I would love to see that, but I, I, my, my choice would be JJ Reddick just because yeah, he's like 99.99999% on free throws. Yeah, you can't. He, shoots he them. just shot a three throw right now and didn't miss. <laughs> he, he shoots them, he shoots them like they're nothing. Like yeah. that, he doesn't even like like the guys will like stand there like holding the ball like aiming, and he just goes like, Bleh. "All right, son." Bleh. I bet he does that when he's putting his laundry in the laundry basket. Probably. <laughs> I bet you that exactly. Like, I'm gonna give you guys allowed little... to shoot them behind the back. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, ninety-eight percent three like that. Um, I'm gonna give you a little old school. Mm-hmm. Andrew Tony, how about that in the '80s? I, I think it like if it yeah, were, like, you can't do it against Boston, but. And ice water in his veins. Come on. I mean, especially. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm going to throw that out there. But I can't, again, can't disagree with uh, both of your selections. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then finally, we got a penalty shot. Penalty shot in the Flyers. And uh, it's. Oh, overtime. 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 Yeah. Well, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go for it. If I can't have Forsberg, mm-hmm. I want Giroux. Okay. Steve? Michael Hanses, though. <laughs> he actually I love did. Michael Hanses, though. He did score a penalty shot. He did. In he did. In overtime. He did. It was he a regular did. season game. Yep. I don't hate Michael Hanses. No. That's no. like it's the best compliment I could give. Slowest him. skater I've ever seen, but he has some hands. Good play, though. Good play. He could play. play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a long career. He was no doubt. good. No doubt. He was like Sean Couturier, but slowed down like five times. Oh. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, you 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 giving me a penalty shot in overtime. Uh, I'm taking Danny Briere. Oh, there you go. Uh, this no. is, you can't you can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. Um, yeah, Giroux for me, uh, hands down. I Just can't I can't argue with that either. Yeah, yeah you, <laughs> can't, you can't argue with. I, like I, the only reason I, I if I can't have Forsberg because Forsberg is only here for a short period of time. Yeah, like he's my absolute number one. But yep. you're right. Like Danny Briere called Giroux like longer term. Yeah. Like talking there, you, who else do you, who want else now? would you want? Yeah. I mean, and all three of us really, can you imagine if you're the coach, right? We made that point in paper production. Can you imagine if like you're the coach and I'm like, yeah. okay, you got your choice of Danny Briere or Peter Forsberg to take a penalty shot. What's that, John? Here. You'd be confused as a coach. You're looking down like, yeah. who's not going <laughs> to, who's not going to take this it's hot right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, here. So, all right, Forsberg. But at one point, he was not on the same team with Briere and uh, Giroux. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but another guy who I wouldn't mind taking in a shootout was on the team at the same time. Mm. Uh, that would be Yaramir Yager. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. I'd have no but problem he, he sending fa- him out. No he, problem sending him I out. I think he falls in the Forsberg. You know yeah, what I mean? Like no. Because they weren't here that long. That long. But, yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. Point, I'm count. throwing him out there. Absolutely. If he's hot, I'm throwing him out there to take that penalty shot. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, gents. Well, we got one more, and it's our happy segment. And this is a great video uh, involving yet another World War II generational uh, man who got to ride in an airplane. So I'm going to go yes. ahead and share this clip. Because that's what we do here around two noobs. Yes, we do. Henceforth, to make the happy segment, you must be 100 years or older. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. The new rules being written by our lawyer there, Steve Mary. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. So I'm Katie. I'm the Healthy Lifestyles Director here at Elm Crofton Mountain Home. 
Every month we partner with an organization called Second Wind Dreams, um, and we try to give the residents an experience that they can remember, whether that be something that they've never done before but always have wanted to do, or something that they have done that they would love to experience again. We are always in fire. Yes. Christian Christian. Yeah. Check our watch. Well we're gonna we're gonna get a hang out with it for most of the afternoon. Take a bunch of photos and have a good time with it. So very good. Yeah. Uh, we we get magazines in here all the time and we were thumbing through one one day. And we saw the Dream Flights article and we just knew that with Bob turning a hundred, this is something that we had to make happen. During this pandemic, you know, they haven't had any kind of outside socialization or anything like that. And so we strive to serve them in any way possible. We, we try to focus on those areas of life, especially the sense of adventure and socialization. So we get, try to give back to our residents who have done so much in their life already. and. We can't thank them enough for being a part of our community. Thank you. Well, oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Oh. oh, boy, that was wonderful. Is that good? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> was that fun? Oh, that was great. Yeah? That was really great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good to me. Excellent. Well, gents, what do you think? That was awesome. 91 years young, or over 90 years yeah. young. 100 or whatever. Yeah. That's really cool that they have those those things. We've we've seen other things like that where they seek out these veterans and they let them do you know in their in their you know older years they let them do what they are accustomed to doing and what they probably miss doing. Obviously, look at that gentleman like he yeah. missed being in the sky. Yeah, like he missed it like more than I think we miss anything. Like you could just see it in his. He remembers those times, yeah. you know what I mean? Long, long ago. And he, that it's nice that they bring these memories back to, you know, like they don't have much time left and, you know, we should probably be doing good things for them. No doubt. On yeah. the way out. Cause the sacrifice that they made, we, we can't ever repay them for that. Nope. Nope. So well stated. Yeah, absolutely. So that does it gents. Uh, that closes out our wonderful episode of two noobs talking episode 50 my thanks of course to mr randy savage up there we spared no expense john as we always do around here in two noobs to have oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> snap into a slim jim oh yeah oh those will give you heart failure Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> do. oh man well, my thanks to Steve Maria Quist for uh, for joining us uh, here on a very Always special a episode of Two Noobs. And uh, Johnny, couldn't have asked for a better co-host, obviously, for the last 50 episodes we've done. It's amazing. On to another 50, right? 
Well, uh, just just a quick thank you to both of you guys for taking something that I concepted in my brain and put it, you know, or able to put it out on the screen. It it definitely is the coolest thing. Very you know, cool. hanging out with you guys and just Steve, always a pleasure. And we always, as soon as we finish this episode, we're going to think about the next time we're going to have Steve on. So this is kind of how production works. Around exactly. Here. Yeah. Exactly. Right back at you there, bud. Boom. Fist bump. So let's hit them with socials. Uh, so where can people find us, Johnny? All right. Well, fuck Facebook. And we're going to be on Instagram, <laughs> uh, TikTok, and Clapper. And that's going to bring short videos back to our main YouTube channel, the Two Noobs Talking Podcast. We would really love it. Of course, if you like, share, and subscribe to our videos. And of course, on our audio listeners, uh, I'm going to give it over to Randy Savage up there. Randy, where can people find us on the audio side, brother? Yeah, where can people find you on audio? Yeah, How about Apple Podcasts? Yeah, Podbean. Yeah, spreading the word, the good word of the two noobs. Yeah, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. Some people need to step up their game, though. Talking to you, Spotify. Yeah, John's <laughs> not digging you. Neither am I. Yeah, you can also Google us on... Uh, Google. Google. <laughs> Love it. Love it. And, of course, our show notes are found twonoobstalking.wordpress.com. Uh, if you go there, of course, and enter in your email address, you're not going to be entered in for raffle. What's going to happen is the show notes will show up in your inbox the very next day where we're going to have links to all the articles we referenced today. Not many, but that's okay. We do do these things to let you know and to get you to do. read and think and be a part of the community. So there you go. So that's it, gents. Episode 50 is in the can. And again, thanks to Steve Murray, Randy Savage, John Tracy. John, Steve, do you have anything final to say before we get the heck out of here tonight? Oh, the ketchup is on the meat. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> ooh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 50. Give me 50 more. And that's it. <laughs> all right. Talk to you all next week, guys. Take care. This country was founded by geniuses. But it's being run by a bunch of idiots. Why do the members of the United States Senate continue to double down on stupid?